We are just three days away from the 2023 Final Four, and the first game, Andy, is one of the most surprising national semifinals that I can remember in a good while. How did Florida, Atlantic, and San Diego State get here? Let's talk about it. You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, welcome into the Locked on College Basketball Podcast, the only daily national college hoop show out there. We are your hosts. He's Andy Patton. I'm Isaac Shade, and we are so glad to be with you here on Wednesday of Final Four Week. Andy, cannot believe we are coming down the home stretch talking about these teams so much. Here's what we're going to do with the next couple days of shows. Let's just line it out for you here. Today, we're going to dive deep into the first national semifinal, set you up to get to know Florida Atlantic a little bit better, set you up to get to know San Diego State a little better. On Thursday's show, we're going to do the same thing with UConn and with Miami, and then Friday is going to be like game previews and picks. So today is less about previews and more about just getting to know the teams, especially these teams that you just probably haven't heard of because they're from the, or you've heard of, but don't really know intimately because they're from the Mountain West and they're from Conference USA. And so let's dive right into it. Andy, by the way, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel, the official sports book of the Locked On Network. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started and of course they've got lines for both of these games we're going to be talking about andy let's start in boca rat on i like to call it (laughs) boca raton florida where we have the florida atlantic owls and we joked a lot when the uh the selection show revealed all the teams and we knew we had two sets of owls in the tournament (laughs) and somehow We're down to four, and one of those owls is still standing. I never would have guessed it, but here we are with Dusty May's team on the final Saturday of the college basketball season. Andy, help us get to know this team a little bit. Yeah, one of the most impressive runs we've ever seen in the Final Four, and something we're going to talk about a little later in the show of what are the most impressive runs that we've ever seen. There's only been eight instances of a seed nine or lower ever making the Final Four. Florida Atlantic, of course, part of that conversation, but... Isaac, we've talked about this a few times on the show, and I want to make it clear here, like, this is not a super, I mean, it's not a darling team in the sense that they're just kind of a plucky underdog happy to be here. This is a darn good basketball team. And uh, the analytics bear that out. The numbers bear that out. The record in the regular season bears that out. Like, this is a team that they deserve to be here. And of course, there's no other way to argue that when they're they're here. <laughs> They've done it. It has been accomplished. And I know that there might be people out there who want to diminish it a little bit because they did not have to play Purdue. It is not Florida Atlantic's fault that Purdue forgot how to play basketball against Fairleigh Dickinson. That is not <laughs> the issue for Dusty May's squad. Uh, they also took care of business against the best defense in the country in Tennessee. Uh, they took care of business against a, a significant darling team in Kansas State and Marquise Noel and Keontae Johnson and the fantastic job that Jerome Tang did with that team. And they took care of both of them. And now we're looking at a team that's top 20 in the country in Ken Palm. They're 17th as we're recording this right now, 24th in adjusted offense, 29th in adjusted defense. This is a top 30 team offensively, a top 30 team defensively. They are more balanced than San Diego State, which is a part of the conversation that will absolutely come up on Friday when we talk about this team. And I think like th- this is this is a program to me that has proved, I mean, Dusty May, what an incredible job that he has done leading this team from, they went eight and 10 their first two seasons, uh, each of their first two seasons that he was the coach in Conference USA. And then a few years later, they're 18 and two 
in conference play. They didn't have a ton of fantastic non-conference wins. They beat Florida, which is a nice win. Florida team that kind of hung around the bubble a little bit this season, but wasn't a particularly great power conference team. But that's still a nice win for any mid-major program. They beat Florida Gulf Coast. They they obviously did really well in their conference, which included North Texas and UAB, who are teams that uh, are contending for a championship in the NIT as well. So a really, really, really solid program. And, and like I said, balanced offensively and defensively, good outside shooting team. Uh, this is a program that, that has made a lot of noise already and is, is definitely not done making noise in this tournament. No, they are sure not. This is going to be a very interesting game. Uh, I want to give you several names to know, uh, mm -hmm. one of whom is John L. Davis, averaging 13.9 points per game, 5.5 rebounds, 1.7 assists, 1.5 steals, can fill it up and fill up the stat sheet, I should say, in all these different ways. 49.3% from the field, 36.6% from deep. And interestingly, uh, we also have Elijah Martin, who is probably a name you know now because he did some incredible <laughs> things on Saturday. Folks, if you just caught FAU for the first time, he yeah. had that massive dunk. I can't even remember. Oh, from over Gasson. Yeah, so yeah, Elijah yeah. Martin is 6'2". <laughs> Gasson, whom he dunked over from Kansas State, is 6'9". Yeah. And it was this beautiful dunk. But then Elijah Martin, on the other hand, he's 37% from deep. And mm -hmm. can just do all of those kind of things. 13.1 uh, points for Martin, 5.2 rebounds, 1.5 assists. And we already talked about what he's doing from deep. Now, here's the interesting thing about both these guys and why I wanted to start with them, Andy, is that Davis and Martin both transfers in to this team who has quite a few transfers. They, along with uh, a trio of three other guys started mm -hmm. the first four games of the year for Florida Atlantic. And then they went through a stretch where Dusty May had another starting lineup for the majority of the season, but he's gone back to that lineup for yeah. the last nine games, including of course the CUSA tournament and the first four games here of the NCAA tournament. It's clearly been a good switch that's gotten both Davis and Martin back into the lineup. And I think that's a big part of the storyline of mm -hmm. They were already clearly playing well. They've only lost three games all year, but I think why they're now playing at what I would call an even different and better mm -hmm. level than they uh, previously were. And then uh, another guy that had a massive game against K-State yeah. on Saturday is Vlad Golden out of Russia. Mm -hmm. uh, 10.3 points a game for him, 6.6 .6 rebounds, 1.2 blocks. This dude is very efficient on mm -hmm. in, uh, from the field, 62.7%, although... He's one of the, you always hate this with big guys, kind of the hack shack thing where he's only yeah. shooting 60% from the free throw line, but uh, really interesting stuff there. Love to see a coach going back to the, the Davis and Martin thing. Who's willing to say, you know what? I, I think we have something better that we could go with and being willing to make an adjustment. It's clearly paid off for him. Without a doubt. And I think like looking at, at Florida Atlantic, just kind of from a team perspective, some of the numbers that I think are going to be incredibly significant when looking at this matchup against San Diego State, which like we said, we'll, we'll dig into a little bit more of the specifics, you know, team versus team on Friday. But as a team, Florida Atlantic's 37.2% from deep. They are top 20 in the country in attempts and makes. This is a team that shoots a lot of threes and they make a lot of threes. Again, <laughs> we'll get to the San Diego State part of it in a bit. San Diego State is one of the best teams in the entire country at preventing teams from making threes. So that is going to be the, the biggest 
part of this battle coming up on Saturday. But uh, we're also talking about a Florida Atlantic team that's 54.5% from twos. That's 37th in the country. So they're not just an efficient outside shooting team. They're efficient around the rim. They're efficient from deep. Uh, They're top 20 in the country in rebounds per game. So when they are missing shots, they're collecting the rebounds, although they are a much better defensive rebounding team than they are an offensive rebounding team, probably because they make all their dang shots. So they don't have to get as many offensive rebounds. I think one area that is perhaps concerning for Florida Atlantic, or at least could come into play is, is, they don't take a lot of free throws. They're not horrible from the free throw line. They're about average in terms of all the division one teams at the free throw line, but they don't get to the line all that often. They don't draw a lot of contact and, and we'll see how that kind of bears out against a, a pretty physical team in San Diego state. Yeah. Does that mean that Florida Atlantic will get more free throw attempts? Will they be prepared for it? You know, there's some kind of some, some narrative storylines there that I think will be interesting to see how they shake out. Well, and Andy, I think part of that, it it goes hand in hand with how many three-point attempts they have. When you're not getting to the rim, you're not going to take as many free throws. One thing I I do want to note that'll be true of both of these teams is the bench usage. Both of these teams use their bench a ton. In fact, both teams are top 30 in the nation in terms of bench minutes played. Mm -hmm. And Florida Atlantic themselves is 15th in the nation with 38.6% of their minutes coming from the bench. So that depth and how it is used and tested will certainly be something to watch for. Isaac, now is time to discuss the Aztec, a team that, like we said, defends the three-point line better than almost anybody in the country. How is that going to impact Saturday's contest? We'll talk about that and meet this entire Aztecs team coming up after a word from today's sponsor, FanDuel. The NCAA tournament is just about over, so now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because new customers get a no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000 that is bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. Of course, make sure to check out the lines on Saturday's matchups ahead of time after we give you all of the previews we can about these two games. Plus... FanDuel will even let you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat-first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That is FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, Isaac. Aztecs, San Diego State, Brian Dutcher, one of the most successful coaches from a winning percentage a perspective in the last six years. He has won 76.5% of the games that he has coached in the last six years. And I know the Mountain West is not a Power Six conference, but as I've said before, it's a pretty darn good basketball conference. And they had a, a lot of issues breaking through in the NCAA tournament. So many times we'd see three or four teams make the big dance and all of them would lose early. And there was some serious concern that that was going to happen again this year, especially when Nevada got blitzed badly by Arizona state in a play in game. We saw Boise state fall in their first game. We saw Utah state fall in their first game and then San Diego state, a team many projected, including myself, I have not been shy about admitting this, <laughs> who thought they would lose to Charleston in that first round game, another 30-win mid-major program, similar to Florida Atlantic. San Diego State took care of business there, got to play Furman instead of Virginia in the second round. No disrespect, no disrespect but it definitely made it so that the path, at least at first for San Diego State, didn't look super impressive right away. And then they beat Alabama. <laughs> 
And then the conversation had to change a little bit. Like, oh, okay. Now we're talking about a team that that it really believes in themselves, that really deserves to be here. That you know, I mean, they beat the number one team in the country, the 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 highest ranked team remaining, the team that got the number one overall seed, the team projected by everybody, everybody to win the national championship, and they beat them. And then they beat a Creighton team that I think a lot of people thought would be a, would present a huge challenge for them. Creighton, very deep offensive team, a team that I think was underseeded as a six seed because they had a really bad stretch early in the season when they were without Ryan Kalkbrenner. Uh, they got him back and they rolled through the rest of the season and looked fantastic. And San Diego State took care of them too. This has been an extraordinary run from the Aztecs. Again, Brian Dutcher has done a fantastic job here in his sixth season uh, with the Aztecs. We kind of mentioned this uh, a little bit when talking about Florida Atlantic and, and the balance that they have from an offensive and a defensive perspective, uh, at least according to Ken Palm, uh, <laughs> Florida Atlantic is 17th in the country. They're top 30, both offensively and defensively. San Diego state is 14th in the country. So just above FAU, which should make this a very, very fun game. They are fourth count it fourth in the country defensively at Ken Palm, but they are 75th offensively. Ooh. Isaac, I want to kind of start there when talking about this team. I don't think that this team is a bad offensive team, but that's a pretty significant spread, especially when compared to how even things look for Florida Atlantic. Yeah, that, that's going to be an, an interesting storyline for that game, which, as you said, we'll talk more about Friday. But, you know, Andy, we've been talking so much about, like, how historically in the Ken Palm era, no team ranked outside of 22nd at defense at yeah. Ken Palm has ever won a national championship. I got to thinking earlier today, you know, Isaac, yes, Isaac, mm-hmm. I wonder what that number is for the offensive side of things. I don't know why mm-hmm. I've never thought of that. So I went back and looked and the worst offensive efficient team at Ken Palm to ever win the national championship, which uh, the Ken Palm era goes back to 02 is uh, the 2014 UConn team was 39th. Now oh, that's wow. an outlier because outside of that, the worst Ken Palm rated offense to ever win a national championship was 19th. So that, that 39 is an outlier. And Andy, you know, what's funny. You want to know who that uh, 19th, the, like is the it, second worst. Ken Palm? No, it hmm. was UConn in 2011. So these <laughs> UConn teams that somehow keep finding their way when the oh, whole man. bracket, like how does UConn keep anyway? Yeah, that's um, funny. So San Diego state being 75th yeah. at offense at Ken Palm is like kind of the kiss of death at yeah. least in terms of winning the national championship, not in terms of winning this game over Florida Atlantic, mm-hmm. but um, th- they got to figure some things out there. Now, interestingly, it is a very, very balanced offensive attack. You've got Matt Bradley, who is the only player averaging double digit points, 12 mm-hmm. and a half per game for him. But beyond that, beyond Matt Bradley, Excuse me. Uh, you've got this thing where there are the next seven players all mm-hmm. average six points or more. And yeah. so it's just it's almost like a, a Leonard Hamilton, Florida State, yeah. where it feels like everyone averages 10 points mm-hmm. and they're all seven feet eight. And so that's what we're looking at with this San Diego State team. Um, but not, they, not the height thing necessarily. No, yes. Shout thing. out Darian Trammell, who's like one, <laughs> one of the shorter players left in the game. <laughs> exactly. But um, like, and I know we've, we talked so much about Florida Atlantic and all their wins. You've said this as well, but man, you, you look at what San Diego state's done. Mm-hmm. They've won 31 games themselves and only lost six, but Andy, look at these six losses, yeah. neutral court to Arizona. Mm-hmm. That's a tournament team. Yeah. Neutral court in overtime to Arkansas. That's yeah. a sweet 16 team. Neutral court to St. Mary's. 
mm-hmm. tournament team. Uh, home to New Mexico, that was a bubble team. That's the one. Um, uh, away to Nevada, that's a tournament team. Yeah. And then away to Boise State, who was a tournament team. Yeah. So they're like, that's the thing. Even though Florida Atlantic only has three losses, two of those three losses are worse than any loss San Diego State has. San Diego State, their worst loss is New Mexico, who's ranked 66th at yeah. Ken Palm. And so, uh, like, let's not just look at FAU and say, oh boy, they're the team that wins all. No, man. Uh, what, what San Diego State is doing is really impressive. And a lot of that, Andy, I would point to their consistency. Let me give you this and then I'll turn it back over to you. Their most common starting lineup this year has been Matt Bradley, along with Lamont Butler, who was the pickpocket. Watch your <laughs> coins when he's coming by, Kashad Johnson, and then Nathan Mensa, who's the rim protection. And then mm-hmm. you bring in the transfer, Darian Trammell. Trammell, mm-hmm. excuse me. Interestingly, aside from Trammell, those other four guys I mentioned, all started together last season as well. Now we've seen with North Carolina that that is not necessarily a recipe for success no. year to year, but it has been for San Diego state. And part of why I think they've been so consistent all year long. Yeah. They're the 21st most experienced team in the country. Uh, they played the 19th toughest, toughest strength of schedule. Excuse me. So we're talking about a team that uh, has a lot of experience and challenged themselves throughout the regular season. And handled it well. Right. Those are recipes for success. Like, I mean, the, that alone right there, you look at those numbers and you you, you look at a team that has, especially in, in today's era of college basketball, where, you know, the, the freshman class are all kids who kind of experienced the COVID situation and, and maybe missed a year of high school basketball or had a, a, a shortened year or something like that. We've, we've kind of, we haven't talked about that too much on this show, but there, certainly there is a, an element of how much our high school basketball players and now young college basketball players how much were they impacted by this and how much are we seeing some weaker classes because of that? Mm -hmm. So if you can build a roster of, you know, guys like Matt Bradley who came to them from Cal, you know, a power five program, guys like Darion Trammell who came from a solid whack program in in Seattle U where he was, and he finished fifth in the country in steals Mm -hmm. in the country Mm -hmm. in steals while he was at Seattle U. So you can get these experienced veteran guys and, and Trammell in particular also was a junior college player. So he's a very experienced guy. And so when you can get these experienced players, guys who, have been at this level for a long time. You challenge them in the schedule. You make them play as many tough games as you possibly can. It's not a surprise to see a team come into a tournament like that and think, look, we don't care about the Mountain West reputation. We don't care that this is a team that has struggled to do this. We know we should have done this in 2020. We're getting an opportunity to do it here in 2023, and we're going to take full advantage. And and they're still here. They're still here. They are. It's going to be a very interesting game on Saturday. I know it's the the less heralded of the two, yeah. but it's the closer line. It, I think it's a, a one and a half point spread right yeah. now as of this recording. And Andrew, Andy, this is for a different conversation for a different day, but I love that point you just made mm-hmm. about how COVID affected so many of today's players. Yeah, And I wonder if that's why we see so many misrecruited players, either mm-hmm. too high or too low. Sure. And obviously the transfer portal helps the shuffling around of those players. But Mm -hmm. I think there's more to that than I have ever thought about. So thank you for that. Mm -hmm. And let's have another conversation about that this off season. Andy, speaking of great stuff from you, you recently wrote for Locked On. By the way, if you don't know, folks, Locked On has some great articles. Our very own Andy Patton is one of the people writing those. Recently wrote about the most surprising Final Four runs we've ever had, obviously because of what Florida Atlantic has done as a nine seed, albeit a criminally underseeded nine seed. So what we want to do is unpack where this Florida Atlantic run falls historically in terms of surprising 
final four runs. What do you think? What do we think? Let's talk about it in just a second. Andy, since the field expanded to eight to 85 teams, to 64 teams. Some in people would want that. Don't tell Greg. Do you. not ever expand. Oh my goodness. 68's <laughs> already too many. Bring it back to 64. Um, we have had five. What we want to look at is teams seated ninth or worse that have yeah. made the final four. So we have had five 11 seeds make it, one 10 seed, and now, thanks to Florida Atlantic, two mm-hmm. separate nine seeds. And so, Andy, I know you looked in depth at all eight of these runs, uh, mm-hmm. looked at what made them special. Could we see it coming? Could we not see it coming? Uh, we've had some mid-majors. We've had mm-hmm. some power conference schools. Um, as, as you look at it, I know you've started here with the 11 seeds. And and let me also say this before I pass the baton. (laughs) The field expanded in 85. We got LSU in 1986 as an 11 seed. After that, the next time it happened was, interestingly enough, who? Jim Laranaga in 2006 with George Mason. What a full circle moment that is to now in Miami's own first Final Four run. So, Andy, looking at this, what sticks out to you? What surprises you? What uh, just unpack it for us? Well, you, you you started to touch on it there too. I think the fact that it, this hasn't been a common occurrence until much more recently is a significant. I mean, it's 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 impossible to ignore that in the first twenty one years of the NCAA tournament expanding, it happened once in the second year, mind you, in 1986. And then it didn't happen again for 20 years. And now it has happened, what, seven more times since then. I mean, how many of these are, are very, very recent? Obviously, yeah. Loyola Chicago, uh, the Ramblers, Sister Jean, that's 2018. UCLA in 2021 was very recent. Uh, Syracuse 2016, they were the 10 seed that did it. Uh, Wichita State in 2013. I mean, all of these things have happened in the last decade. And I think it's so fun to look at this group of of teams, these nine teams here, because there's a huge discrepancy. Even just looking at the 11 seeds, you have three kind of mid-major darlings, uh, the the ones that get the most attention. We talked about George Mason and uh, George Mason, excuse me, and Jim Laranega. We talked about Loyola Chicago and Sister Jean. The other one, of course, is VCU, uh, Shaka Smart, that team. And and I want to start there because that's the most impressive one to me for a couple of reasons. One, they finished the season really crappy. (laughs) <laughs> and that, that tends to be the case with these uh, these power programs that did it. Like UCLA just didn't have a very good regular season and got an 11 seed. Syracuse, I think, lost like three. They lost five of their final six games. So Jim Beheim's team just basically did bad at the end of the season, dropped their seed to an 11 seed, and then caught on fire. I'm not saying that's not impressive, but I'm not going to rank that as high as a VCU team also struggling to end the season as a mid-major. They were 84th. In Ken Palm, Isaac, fourth. And then they beat Georgetown by 18. They beat Purdue by 18. Shout out another chance to talk about Purdue losing to a underseeded team in March. Uh, They beat Kansas to advance to the final four. Uh, It obviously did wonders for Shaka Smart's career. And I think that's an interesting point as well to look at what happened for Shaka Smart. When they run on this run in 2011, what happened for Jim Laranega on this run in 2006? Certainly uh, those are data points that Dusty May is well aware of in his time at Florida Atlantic and aware of, of what that could potentially do for him. But I, I just, I like the, the kind of 
the difference between how some of these teams did it because you know again some of these teams were just kind of high major programs that had bad years you have the the mid majors i mean loyola chicago they won 17 of 18 games coming into the tournament so that's the opposite of, of a vcu team that kind of struggled getting into the dance loyola chicago was the hottest team in the country and they got into the ncaa tournament and they just kept winning i mean that team was magic because they didn't win by a lot. They beat Miami by one point. They beat Nevada by one point. Then they got, uh, they were fortunate to get a nine seed in Kansas state uh, instead of a one seed, but they beat the tar out of that Kansas state team in order to advance to the final four. And I think it's hard to compare all of these different runs and all of these different uh, trajectories that these teams were on, because obviously every NCAA tournament field is different. I will say that the 1986 LSU team in this group of 11 seeds, I should say, uh, they're the only one that, only played top seeds. Mm. Every other team did not have to play the highest ranked team every single time. LSU did. Obviously, Florida Atlantic will forever. That will always be a part of their story that they played fairly Dickinson in the second round. I don't think it should take away from what they have accomplished nearly as much as I worry that it will <laughs> from a national, especially if they lose this game. If they lose to San Diego State and they just become another 9, 10, 11 seed that made the final four and bowed out in the final four. I think that part of their narrative will always be, well, they played fairly Dickinson. And I hope it doesn't take away from the fact that they also played the best defensive team in the country in Tennessee and a very, very good deserved three seed in Kansas State. And I, I don't know how it will be perceived two, five, 10, 15 years from now, certainly. But uh, if they win this game and they play in the national championship game, I think it's going to erase a lot of the rest of that part of the conversation. Yeah, because none of the rest of these teams were able to do that. Do that. I think that's part of the narrative. Mm -hmm. Another part of the reason, Andy, that I really love the VCU team and why mm -hmm. I will get a, a little bit of some love to the UCLA team mm -hmm. is because they did it from the play-in games. Yes, right. Definitely. And uh, I think that is part of the UCLA narrative as well as mm -hmm. they came from that same thing. Now, uh, again, it's like you're the major conference team. It was the first year in the Mick Cronin era. Right. And so there's something to that. But I, I think that even gives that VCU team another little boost. And uh, mm -hmm. one other coaching thing I want to mention, you, you know, you talked about how those guys parlayed some of that. Mm -hmm. Porter Moser from Loyola Chicago is yeah. now at Oklahoma. Now, right. Oklahoma hasn't been great the past two years, but um, he, I'm sure he'll get that going. Oh, yeah in a little bit it's just the man the big 12 yes yeah. so so wacky mm -hmm. with things um and i think a part of this conversation isaac sorry to cut you off no there, you're great go i think a part of this too that that's going to be interesting and maybe we can explore this more over the off season is like what especially from the mid-major perspective i don't care about this as much from for ucla and lsu and, and syracuse but for the mid-majors that made this kind of run what happened to them like mm -hmm. what happened to the program and what happened to the coach? Because I think when we look through that lens, we can look at that for Florida Atlantic. And maybe, you know, if we see some patterns, if like, okay, every time a mid-major team made this run, uh, their coach left and the team sucked afterwards. I know that that's not the case for all of them, but like it is kind of the case with Loyola Chicago. Like that's what happened to Loyola Chicago. Um, if that, you know, is that going to happen at well, Florida? Yeah, they, they were bad this year. Loyola yeah, like they, were, they were very bad. Uh, and, and so it'll be interesting to see like, if we can parse out some patterns on that kind of, because this is unique, uh, but you also look at like, those are 11 seats. Let's look at the nine seats. There's only one other one that's ever done it. And it's the Shockers, Wichita State, 2013. They beat that Gonzaga team. They beat Ohio State. They actually beat three teams in the top 12 at Ken Palm during that run. Uh, there was a really, real. I mean, to me, like, 
more impressive than a lot of those those 11 seeds. Wichita State's run was was extraordinary, and that was a, a ridiculously loaded, talented team. Three NBA players, Fred Van Vliet, Clee Anthony Early, Ron Baker, really, really good squad there. Uh, and what, what they did the next year was just not lose ever again. <laughs> just, they just Until they were again. another criminally underseeded right. team. Until this committee decided to not give them a good seed the following uh, year and, and really kind of hampered them. But um, will Florida Atlantic do something like that? It is really easy for me to project Florida Atlantic next year to to lose five or less games, three or less games, because they did it this year. And, you know, I, I haven't, you know, obviously the portal changes things. How many of these players will yeah. move on to Power 5 programs, something that wasn't really as readily available at Wichita State? That'll be interesting. It'll be kind of kind of unfortunate, quite honestly, if that is what ends up happening and a lot of players leave FAU uh, and go somewhere else and kind of leave Dusty May having to, to pick up the pieces, he's still going to be fine. Um, but it's interesting kind of dynamic to see what happens to these programs after they go on these runs because uh, sometimes they just kind of disappear. I mean, how, how often do we talk about George Mason basketball? You know, I mean, that was that was 17 Not. years ago, but we, we don't talk about it much. So, And for FAU, I mean – Part of why they've been so good from everything I've seen and heard and read about them is because they've been so together. Mm -hmm. And so if there's something real to that and they can keep it together, because mm -hmm. like I think just about every I think like maybe Michael Forrest is done after this year. But I think just about everyone else yeah. could come back yep. if they chose to, you know, and obviously there's the will Dusty May stay after this. Right. right? Um, totally. Is a question. But, man, I, I could see a world in which they say, hey. Let's see what we can do again, uh, mm -hmm. which would certainly be the exception rather than the rule in this right. day and age. So, yep. so Andy, v that that VCU team is your is your top mm -hmm. choice out of this. Yes, yeah, and this VCU, George Mason, Loyola, Chicago are the top three for me. Okay. Uh, I, I Florida Atlantic kind of they're somewhere in that conversation, uh, five six range. I'm, I'm not going to pretend I know enough about that 1986 LSU team to accurately. <laughs> place them anywhere in this conversation. But I, for, again, not having to play a one seed definitely changes the conversation for FAU, but they're a top five or six all-time run to the Final Four, in my opinion. I would agree with that. And like you said, I think it is important that we don't know for sure that this run is over yet, right? Exactly. Like if, yeah. they make, if they're the lone team from this list to make the national championship game, it's mm -hmm. a whole different definitely. conversation. Well, Isaac, we are going to talk about Miami and UConn on Thursday's show. Very, very excited to get a chance to preview those two teams and kind of look at what that matchup might look like. Of course, we'll come back on Friday, give you all of our previews, all of our predictions ahead of the final three games of the college basketball season. Sad it's over. Happy we got three more to watch. I know you're looking forward to it as well, Isaac. For those of you out there listening to the show, you can find us wherever you get podcasts. You can find us on YouTube. Go hit that subscribe button. We're very close to 700 subscribers right now. So anything you can do to help us out would be much appreciated. You can leave us a review on iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter. All of that great stuff. Again, we got more fantastic content coming your way the next couple of days. And even after the season, we're going to keep coming at you every single day going into the offseason transfer portal. All of that fantastic stuff to keep you updated. For now, though, peace out.